Welcome to Through the Bible. Today, Dr. J. Vernon McGee takes us through more of David's wonderful prayers. I'm Steve Schwetz, and we'll begin in Psalm 61 in just a moment. But first, Greg Harris, Through the Bible's president, is here to visit. So, Greg, I got a question for you. Oh, I look forward to it. And a listener recently asked this. How is Dr. McGee still influencing what Through the Bible is doing today? Oh, man, that is a lovely question. That's like hitting a softball off a tee for us. And and that is... Uh, we often like to talk with our listening family about our core values, and they're all grounded in what Dr. McGee taught. So the simple answer is that what Dr. McGee taught us is influencing what we do literally day to day. And today we want to do a kind of a, a special a twist on what we call our core values, and that is what are the transferable ministry principles from Dr. McGee's personal patterns that we are now playing out in the ministry around the world. Hmm. Okay, that's a very good concept. I, I'm I'm a much more simpler guy when I remember what Dr. McGee said in terms of, <laughs> although I didn't hear from him directly, but he said just play the tapes till the, the money, money runs, runs out. out. Yeah. I love that because it's so freeing yep. and God has so abundantly blessed the ministry in terms of its growth and its support. But yeah. there's a lot more behind that and that's what we're going to go through. Well, now. yeah, there there is and you've actually uh, jumped in our, our little talking points here that we often use to guide our conversations, uh, he was willing to let the ministry die with him. And, yeah. and some people would say, well, that duh, that's obvious. But uh, I've been in what I call the vocational ministry world for about 35 years, Steve. And it is so common that people won't let a work of God yeah. die. And I think a lot of times ministries have a season, they have a purpose, and people need to move on. Yeah. Well, yeah, but now as chairman of the board, I just don't want it to shut no, down no, when no. I'm in charge. No, absolutely. You know, yeah. I'd, I'd rather yeah. have it go later. But, but, no. but I believe that, it, honestly, I mean, we know each other quite well. Yeah. If we were seeing indications from the Lord yeah. that it was time to shut it down, we wouldn't want to do it, but we would. Yeah. But th- it, it's counterintuitive because Dr. McGee now in 2023 has been with the Lord for 35 yeah. years. Amazing. Amazing. He was only with the ministry for 21 years. Think about yeah. that. And we have grown more. We've expanded more. The yeah. impact is greater in these last yeah. 35 years. And I believe, I mean, God is going to make a way for his word and for himself to be glorified regardless. He doesn't yeah. need a little through the Bible ministry. The rocks will cry out. Exactly. But if not, if not, I really think with technology going the way it's going with, you know, how government oppression and all of that, that, that this ministry, I think there's a pathway for it to even be crowdsourced in a sense, mm, and then it kind of lives yeah. everywhere and yeah. people have access to it. I mean, yes. I don't know what that's going to look like. I pray that we that it's still through the Bible as a ministry gets to move yes. forward. But if not, God's going to be yeah. glorified. It's his deal. He'll figure it out. Well, and, and that you've actually raised another transferable principle in that it's this, that, that Dr. McGee did not use a control paradigm with yeah. the content. Now, the only control we exercise is we say to people, if we're funding this and calling it through the Bible anywhere around the world in any language, um, you must stick with the theology. But we don't control the use. A lot of people contact us and say, can we use it here? Can we use it there? And some ministries actually say no. Yeah. But we always say yes because Dr. McGee taught us that. Yep. And that's really in the DNA of this ministry. Now, here's another one let's talk about. Um and it may sound, again, obvious, but we have seen it so many times. Invest in what you know God will bless. And mm. you were referring to this before. God's going to bless his word, right? Yep, absolutely. 
and that's what we're going to continue to invest in. We're not going off in some, some, uh, some new, newfangled thing. There will never be another, at least in the English language, another voice other than Dr. McGee. Yes. And we're going to continue to, to be based solely on his content, uh, as it relates to, to the ministry of Through the Bible. And Dr. McGee often refers to this, particularly with younger leaders. And I, I remember I was in a good conservative seminary. And yet I found myself, uh, thinking, you know, I, maybe I need to be more clever and in, in yeah. order to be, and now, now that I've seen a lot of life, I know just stick with the word of God. Yeah, absolutely. Greg, there's more that we could be yeah, talking always. about, but we got to get started. So why don't you pray for us as we begin the program? Father, we thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you for your servant, Dr. McGee, who was faithful to it, to teach your word to us in a way that we now can carry out just for your glory alone. And we pray, Lord, that all of us will be blessed and transformed as we open your word. Speak to us now in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's open to Psalm 61 through 66 as we begin our study with Dr. J. Vernon McGee on Through the Bible. Now today, friends, we come to Psalm 61. And when we come to this section here, we've come to another cluster of psalms. Last time we ended the Mictam Psalm of David. Now this new series ends with the 68th Psalm, from 61 to 68. Why, we have here eight psalms, and here you listen to the pleadings of the godly. And you find here beautifully described their steadfast confidence in the Lord. And I think we're going to see the Lord Jesus Christ in these psalms. And also, I trust that we'll find great help for ourselves. Now will you listen as this 61st psalm opens up. This is a prayer of David. And David is crying out in a very real way. And This is a psalm that you play with a stringed instrument. Now, I honestly believe that here's a psalm that you could use a guitar on. That is, if you used it aright, and it would have a message because there is a mourning that is here. And this is a heart cry. And very frankly, this is the thing that makes modern prayer meetings so stereotyped and so on, interesting. All we do is to go and meet together and turn in a grocery list to the Lord of the things that we want. We ask him to take them down off the shelf and give them to us, and we won't have to go through the checker and check us out and pay for them. May I say to you, that has, I think, killed prayer today. A real prayer, there is the mechanics of it and the arrangement of prayer. I believe in all of that. And those of you that have been with us from the beginning as we've studied the different prayers, we do see that they're organized. But after all, a prayer should come from the heart. You don't hear that deep heart cry today in prayer. Now listen to this one, will you? Hear my cry, O God, attend unto my prayer from the end of the earth. Will I cry unto thee when my heart is overwhelmed? Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. Now, this is such a wonderful one here. He says, from the end of the earth do I call upon thee. 
Do you ever feel like that when you pray? That is, that God is way up yonder and we're way down here. David says, when I pray, sometimes it seems like I'm way down at the end of the earth and God is way off up yonder and he's trying to draw closer, you see. What a wonderful thought you have here in this prayer. Now he says he wants to get to a rock that's higher than he is. The reason, very frankly, that I'm opposed to this modern viewpoint of Jesus, and I'm opposed to that play that came out some time ago, Jesus Christ Superstar is, because the Jesus there is no superstar at all. He's just a man like I am. He's a rock that's no higher than I am. I need to be led to the rock that's higher than I. And I found in the Word of God that Jesus Christ is the rock that is higher than I am. And he's the rock on which the church is being built today. What a picture we have here. Listen to him in verse 3. For thou hast been a shelter for me and a strong tower from the enemy. What a beautiful picture of God. He's a shelter. That's from the storm and a strong tower. That's for protection, you see, from the enemy. And he says, I'll abide in thy tabernacle forever. I will trust in the shelter of thy wings, Selah. And again, you have the wings. This is the thing the Lord Jesus had reference to. He says, how often would I have gathered you as a mother hen gathers her little one? Now, listen to him in verse 5. For thou, O God, hast heard my vows. He made vows to God. He promised God something. Now, we ask things of God. Do you ever promise anything? I've promised him lots more than I've delivered. I know that. Have you ever promised him something? We go to God continually and we ask him for something. But have you ever promised you're going to do something for him? Have you ever done that? David says, I hear that he's made vows and you've heard them. And thou hast given me the heritage of those who fear thy name. Thou wilt prolong the king's life and his years as many generations. He shall abide before God forever. Oh, prepare mercy and truth. And here we go again. You know, David needed the mercy of God. And I believe the closer that we get to God, friends, we won't bring him down to our level, but we'll see him high and lifted up, and we'll recognize that we're in the same position as Isaiah. Isaiah said, I fell at his feet as dead. Isaiah got down on all fours before him. And that's the position that we get in the closer we get to him. Now, will you notice, here he says, verse 8, So I will sing praise unto thy name forever, that I may daily perform my vows. Make your vows, then get close to him. Sing his praises, and he'll help you fulfill it. Now we come to this 62nd Psalm. Notice the superscription here is to the chief musician, to Jeduthun, a Psalm of David. Now, we've already had a Jeduthun. Psalm. He was one of the chief musicians. His name is mentioned several times, and we had him back in Psalm 39, and we're going to have him again. This is a psalm either to him, apparently one that he led the orchestra and the choir to sing. Now, it's a psalm that has this little word only again and again and again. And this is a very simple psalm It's a psalm of simple faith. It reveals a faith and confidence in God that's akin to that of a child's faith and a parent. And notice how the word only is used here 
actually the first word here, truly, is really only. And it could be, my soul waiteth only upon God. And then verse 2, he only is my rock. And verse 4, they only consult. And then verse 5, my soul, wait thou only upon God. Verse 6, he only is my rock. And the word actually, verse 9, surely is only, only man of low degree and vanity and so on. And you'll find that marvelous faith in this psalm and very simply stated. And then you find that David makes comments as he goes through. He draws lessons from it. Now, a very wonderful thing has been said about this psalm, and I'd like to just read that because I think that we need to see this here. It is by Peroni. It says, Scarcely anywhere do we find faith in God more nobly asserted, more victoriously triumphant, the vanity of man, of human strength and riches, more clearly confessed, courage in the midst of peril, more calm and more unshaken than in this psalm, which is as forcible in its conception and its language as it is remarkable for the vigorous and cheerful piety it breathes. That's the end of the quotation. What a beautiful thing this is. But let me lift out it here. I think some very wonderful things that you have in here. He says, Truly are my soul only waiteth upon God. From him cometh my salvation. Now, there's several things that I want you to know. God is called his salvation. He's called his rock. He's called his defense. And he is called his expectation. And it's repeated again that he's the glory and the rock and the refuge. All of that you have in this. And you notice again, it's very personal. Truly, my soul waiteth upon God. From him cometh my salvation. Very possessive, very personal. He only is my rock, my salvation, my defense. I shall not be moved. This is a very wonderful psalm. And I want to give you a, another wonderful quotation relative to this psalm before we get away from it. And that is that of Donnie. And here is what he says, and listen to this, because it's worth remembering. I begin the quotation. Twice in the psalm, he has repeated this in the second and sixth verse. He is my rock, and my salvation, my defense, my refuge, and my glory. Now, if my refuge, what enemy can pursue me? If my defense, what temptation shall wound me? If my rock, what storm shall shake me? If my salvation, what melancholy shall deject me? If my glory, what calumny shall defame me? Let him that is pursued with any particular temptation invoke God, as God is his refuge and his sanctuary. Let him that is buffeted by the messengers of Satan, battered with his own concupiscence, Receive God as God is his defense. Let him that is shaken with perplexities lay hold upon God as God is his rock and his anchor. Let him that has any diffident suspicion of the free and full mercy of God apprehend God as God is his salvation 
and him that walks in the ingloriousness and contempt of the world, contemplate God as his glory. That's the end of the quotation. Now, isn't that a wonderful expression? Now, friends, let me make a suggestion. This psalm that so simply states this wonderful relationship with God. And you notice how David just pours out his heart to God in this way, just talks to him. You're my salvation. You're my rock. And there's so many folk that today are uptight in a prayer meeting. They're uptight in a church service. They feel a pressure in prayer. We want to say the right words and say the right things. All right, fine. Public prayer is all right. But let me suggest that you go aside. Maybe you just drive along in your car if you can't find a good quiet corner somewhere. Go to a room in your home. Go to a place where you can be quiet before God. And then why don't you just one time, and so many people today need to, shall I say, take the lid off. There is a time to gird up your loins, and there's a time, my friend, to take off the girdle and just let yourself go before God. You know how to do a lot of you saints good, because I've tried it. And just go to him, the first shaggy rug I've ever had, when I was pastor in Pasadena, a group, I think one of the latest groups, put it down in my study. And i never seen a shaggy rug before, and I liked it very much. And I used to get down on that rug, just on my face before God, just pour out my heart to him. My friend, it'll do you good. I think it would be the best tonic that you could possibly have. Oh, how wonderful it would be. Now we come over to the 63rd Psalm. And here you have another one of these wonderful psalms, and it's an ointment that is poured out upon all kinds of sores. It's a band-aid for bruises. It's a balm to put upon the wounds to heal. And it's a wonderful psalm. And I want you to notice it because this has been a very marvelous psalm for the church. Chrysostom says that it was ordained and agreed by the primitive fathers that no day should pass without the public singing of this psalm. And in the primitive church, this psalm, the 63rd, it was sung every morning or every time there was a public gathering. They always began the morning service with it. Listen to it. And again, you have expressed here these wonderful thoughts. And I'm using this translation. Listen to it. O God, Thou art my God, early do I seek Thee. My soul thirsteth for Thee, my flesh pineth for Thee in a dry, thirsty land without water. As I gazed upon Thee in the sanctuary to see Thy power and glory. Now, it's faith can speak like this, and only faith, knowing that there is a God, the eternal one, And he transcends all human thinking. He's the creator. He's the redeemer. He's my father. And early do I seek thee. And David knew what it was to be thirsty. David had been down there around the Dead Sea. We've mentioned that before. There's that cave of En Gedi down there. That was one of his strongholds. Friends, that's the driest land I've ever seen. California and Arizona New Mexico haven't anything that could touch that dry land over there, and it's a place where you can get thirsty. You make sure that you're pretty close to the soda pop stand when you go over there and you have water along with you. 
It's a great psalm, you know, because it speaks of the thirst of the soul for God. You feel that way about him? Or has he become a great burden to you? Oh, to have a love for him. And listen to this man here. So will I bless thee while I live. I lift up my hands in thy name. My soul shall be satisfied as with marrow fatness. Why, David says, I'd rather, oh, I'd rather just have fellowship with God than have a gourmet dinner. My, how wonderful this is. And it was the psalm of the morning. I used to sing it in the church. Maybe we can't sing it today. I don't know, but a great psalm. Now we come to the 64th psalm, and this is a psalm that has a historical basis. You can't exactly locate where, but it is in the life of David. David wrote this psalm here. And prophetically, it's in line with all of these psalms that's in this series. It looks yonder to the future to a day when these people are in great tribulation and the godly remnant will use this psalm. Somebody said, my, they have a lot of psalms for that day. They're going to need them, friends, every one of them. And then it is also a very fine psalm again for us today. Listen to him. Hear my voice, O God, in my prayer. Preserve my life from fear of the enemy. Hide me from the secret counsel of the wicked, from the insurrection of the workers of iniquity. David again and again prayed a prayer like this, asking God to hide him. And his refuge was prayer. And it was the only refuge that David had. And this reveals that. It'll be the only refuge that these people will have in that day. And friends, I'm coming to the conclusion as I look about me in this world right now, in the condition that it is, our hope is no longer in statesmen or politicians, and our hope is no longer in science. Our hope is no longer in education. They're more or less a failing us. We're going to have to do what Israel will do in that day and what David did. We're going to have to start looking up. He is our hope today and our only hope. Maybe that's what he's trying to get us to do. Now, when we come to the 65th Psalm, it is what is known as the Restoration Psalm. This is what is called, we're told in Acts 3.21, the restitution of all things as spoken by the mouth of all his holy prophets. When you talk about the restitution of all things, this doesn't mean everybody's going to be saved. It means the restitution of all things that are to be that. Paul said, I've suffered the loss of all things. Well, he didn't own the world, did he? No. He suffered the loss of all the things he had to lose. And this is the restitution of all things. And it's a great psalm along that line. I'm not going into detail in this psalm either. Praise waiteth for thee, O God, in Zion. And friends, Zion here doesn't mean the heavenly Zion. Zion here was a geographical spot down here on this earth. I've been to that place. That's geography. That's the name of it. There was a sign that said, the weight of Mount Zion, air on it, Mount Zion said, that's the way to go. I went up there. I didn't go to heaven that day. I can assure you that. It was a long, hard pull up there. When he's talking about Zion here, and then you have the redeemed remnant during this period. This is a wonderful psalm here, the 65th. Then I come to the 66th psalm. And did David write this? He could have. doesn't say. It says to the chief musician, a song or psalm. And this is a psalm of praise. And we have no historical background for it at all. There have been many guesses, I can assure you that, about this psalm. 
And it's a great psalm of praise unto God, and it's a psalm of wonderful worship. Bless our God, all ye peoples, verses 8. And this is a psalm that I think looks forward to that future day. Well, speaks of the day when they'll be restored to the land. And as Ezekiel said, they will offer sacrifices in that day, and we find that they will. What's the explanation of it? Well, I think just as they look forward to the coming of Christ, for those people, when they offer a sacrifice, it'll look back to the coming of Christ. Because every lamb will point to the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. May God richly bless you, my beloved. Learn more about Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God who died so that we can have a relationship with our Father, Creator, and our Redeemer. Go to ttb.org and click on How Can I Know God or call 1-800-65-BIBLE and we'll put a couple of those resources in the mail. What's the primary purpose or goal of missions? Well, find out next time as Dr. McGee explores Psalms 67 and 68. The answer may surprise you. I'm Steve Schwetz. Thanks for your good company on the Bible Bus today. Today's study is always available, free to stream or download, thanks to the generous and faithful investments from your fellow Bible bus travelers. Just go to ttb.org or download our app to listen again anytime. As always, we'd love to know what's God teaching you.